You are looking live at the fifth year podcast with Parker Biggs, Zach Ruley, and Clint Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? These guys are the best with this podcast. Don't even think of making a wager on this upcoming season without checking in with Parker, Zach, and Clint. Take it away, guys. We are pleased to be joined by college football's number one insider, Action Network's own Brett McMurphy. Brett, thanks for hopping on. Man, you guys are you're you're all grown up. You got you got Brent Musburger introing you into the show. Very impressed. Uh, before we get started, I have a quick Brent Musburger story. I have Let's never told it. this. Pu- I've never told this publicly, so you guys are the first. True story. Thank you. 2010, I'm covering the Auburn-Oregon national title game in Phoenix, Arizona. There is an event the day before the game, and it's ESPN's put it on for some of the the sports writers and columnists, and you can kind of meet and greet the ESPN TV personalities. Brent Musburger was one of them. We're at um, the hotel bar, I forgot which one, in Arizona, and there's surprisingly, there's no TVs on. Well, it's a it's a NFL playoff day. So everyone's standing around talking and about midway through the function, Brent Musburger turns to me and a couple other reporters and says, Hey, does anybody know the score from the Seahawks and the New Orleans Saints? Well, Seahawks were 10 point underdogs. So everyone, of course, you got to make Brent happy. So everybody goes for their phones to get the score update. And I said, Hey, Brent, I go, the Seahawks won. 4136. I swear to God. Musburger stood there and he turned in a circle and did a little dance and said, I didn't even need the 10 and a half points. I didn't even need the 10 and a half points. <laughs> oh wow. That hey, so, so go ahead. What I was gonna say real quick. So he could have bet five dollars on that game. He could have bet five million. I have no idea. His reaction was so classic. So this is in 2010. I mean, you guys were you guys probably weren't even born then but at that point it was that was so like controversial like me and some other reporters are like can we even report this can we tweet about it he may get fired if it gets out that they know he bet on games and so basically we just said okay we'll keep that story quiet um until you know he passes away or something which of course he has not passed away but now obviously (laughs) you look at gambling a lot different way but yeah, I will never forget that. He did a little dance going, I didn't need the 10 and a half. I didn't need the 10 and a half. So that's that, my that muscular dance. story. So, Hey, so now, that's what he was talking about when he always referred to the, the guys out in the desert. <laughs> and his, uh, he, he lives out there, right? Isn't he the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders? I, I know he was. Uh, I don't think Might he is. Tired. All right, Brett, I know you've been traveling from uh, media day to media day for every uh, Power Five uh, conference of media days. So what would be, if you had a number one takeaway uh, from the last couple of weeks, what would that be? Uh, nobody knows how college football is going to look five years from now. You talk to the commissioners, you talk to the coaches, you talk to the players. That's the big unknown. You know, how big is the SEC going to get? How big is the Big Ten going to get? Is there going to be a Pac-12 in three years? Is there going to be a Big 12 in three years? Um, what's, you know, the ACC is kind of out there on their own. They're, they're locked into their TV deal through 2036, so they can't go anywhere. Um, 
that's basically the big big unknown. What's what's going to happen? Uh, you know, I talked to Kyle Whittingham at Utah. I talked to Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. They both think that we're headed toward a mini NFL model. They don't like that. I don't like that either. But television dictates all this, and more importantly, money dictates this. And I think these conferences, specifically the SEC and the Big Ten know that uh, in the next few years, we're gonna be paying players. Somehow, some way, they're gonna be compensated, whether they get a percentage of the TV money, whether they're paid directly by the schools. I know NIL is going on now, which stands for now it's legal, but um, it's gonna be beyond that. And so that's why they're trying to align with the biggest brands that they can, OU Texas to the SEC, USC, UCLA to the Big 10. And it's because they need as much revenue as they can because if you can't get the players, then your programs can't be successful. If they can't be successful, you're not going to be able to recruit. And it's a, you know, it's a, a snowball down the mountain. So I, that's, that's the biggest thing is that. And, and basically everyone agrees there should be guardrails for the NIL, how you do that. Nobody, nobody has that answer. What are the, uh, I guess the feelings from inside a program like Utah that, you know, has had, such success and moved up the ranks, you know, from, you know, the WAC to the Mountain West, now the Pac-12, and then suddenly, you know, they're, they're back in a little bit of a, a weaker position is, uh, do they have confidence moving forward in the, in the Pac-12 or whatever route they're taking? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, every, you know, especially specifically the Pac-12 schools, they're all like, yeah, we're 100% committed to staying in the Pac-12 that is until a phone rings and it's the big 10 and then they're like all right see i'm out the door it'd be like you know you guys saying you're 100 percent committed to your current current employers but then somebody calls you and says oh by the way uh you know parker clinton zach we're gonna triple your salary and then you're like hasta la vista so it's it's the same way with these guys um you know utah is going to be in a good spot no matter what happens they're going to end up somewhere uh you know Washington, Oregon, they're going to end up in a good spot. The teams, as far as the Pac-12, you have to worry about is Oregon State and Washington State. There could be a scenario very easily where if the Big Ten takes four schools, the Big 12 gets Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, Oregon State and Washington State are left over um, in the Pac-12, which means there is no Pac-12, which means they would then join the Mountain West Conference. That would be awkward. Um, and as far as the other side of the country, I talked to Mac Brown, North Carolina's coach, and he said, look, Brett, there's been more changes in college football in the last three years than there have been the previous 45 years that I've been involved. But he said, look, no matter what happens as far as future realignment, he goes, North Carolina is going to be in a good place. They're in a good spot. Well, it's because North Carolina at the ACC media rights deal um, ever got blown up or when we get to the end of that. North Carolina will be a number one target of the SEC and could be a target of the Big Ten. So they're going to end up okay. So a lot of schools are in good positions. And then there's some like Washington State and Oregon State that unfortunately uh, could find the, the sledding a lot, tough, a lot tougher. Do you think Stanford is in a better position than, than maybe some um, realize when it comes to potential Big Ten candidates down the road? Yeah, I do, because they're, they, you know, obviously their academics, you know, is unquestioned. And that's, that's important for the Big Ten. I talked, when I talked to Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, I asked him specifically, 
besides Notre Dame, are there any other programs that add value that would add value to your conference? And he said, yes, he wouldn't identify those schools, but from sources I talked to, you know, it's Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and Cal. It's, and a lot of people, especially fans get all, they're too narrow. They, they look at why would they want Stanford? They have a losing record last year. They haven't had a winning record since, you know, three years ago, whatever it is. They haven't been to the Rose Bowl in 10 years, et cetera. They don't look at it necessarily as far as the win-loss record. They look at it more of what will the school add academically? Also, um, how will it help their television market? Um, and those sort of factors. So a lot of people get so so caught up into, well, that team's not very good. They haven't won in a while. Why would a conference want them? It goes a lot deeper than that. But no, you're, you're dead on. Stanford would make obvious sense to the Big Ten. And if Notre Dame joins the, the Big Ten, um, you know, there's some people that believe that, you know, you can't just add one team. You need an even number of, of uh, conference members, or at least that's the way it works the best. And a lot of people believe that, that Stanford would be Notre Dame's dance partner, if you will, if Notre Dame decided to join uh, the Big Ten. But if Notre Dame doesn't join, it could be Stanford and Cal. They kind of appeased the, the California governor that's been raising hell because UCLA got into the Big Ten and nobody bothered to tell them about it. Brett, what a little closer to home, I mean, Oklahoma State, what did you? What do you think their scenario is at this point? Just kind of sit back and wait and hope Big Ten or SEC brings in some more teams or play it out in the, the new Big 12? Well, I mean, look, I don't have, you know, verified confirmation, but basically a source at the Big Ten told me that every, every Power 5 school not in the SEC has reached out to join the Big Ten. I'm pretty confident Oklahoma State was one of those. But it's look like it's like you're you're asking, you know, you're asking a girl out for a date. You can ask her a million times, but she's not going to say yes till she's ready to say yes. So um, the Big Ten knows they can get whoever they want, not in the SEC right now. For Oklahoma State, I think they're they're very attractive. The, 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 the challenge for getting in the SEC is they already have Oklahoma and the SEC for a long time would not add multiple schools in the same state. Um, obviously that changed when they added Texas to go with Texas A&M, but for the most part, they only, and you know, obviously Alabama and Auburn are longtime members, Mississippi, Mississippi State and so forth. But for the most part, any new members they brought in, Arkansas, Missouri, um, it, has been, it has been states that don't have a current school in it. However, if you're looking at a 20 or 2014 conference, then absolutely Oklahoma State would be a, a prime candidate for either the Big Ten or the SEC. I just think right now it's impossible to sit here and say they, they definitely would go in either conference. But the more schools that are added to the SEC and the Big Ten, the, the better their chance is. But for Oklahoma State and the rest of the Big 12, what I would be rooting for is you want the Big Ten to grab two more teams from the Pac-12, because if that happens, then those four schools from the Pac-12, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, will then absolutely join the Big 12. And then the Big 12 is up to 16. The SEC's at 16. The Big Ten's at 18 or 20. The ACC's at 16. So then you've got your four power, your four power conferences, and you're set. That's the best case scenario for the Big 12. Worst case scenario, 
is if the Big Ten doesn't do anything, the SEC stays pat, and the Big, and excuse me, the Pac-12 gets a monster TV deal with the remaining ten members, which I don't think is likely, but you know, you never know. And then basically, the Pac-12 wins a power struggle against the Big 12, and actually tries to get teams from the Big 12 to go to the Pac-12. Would Oklahoma State be one of those schools? I think they'd be near the top of the list, but I think they'd look for teams from the state of Texas before they would look at Oklahoma State. Yeah, you talk about that TV deal. It just doesn't – I mean, maybe the Pac-12, like you said, they end up getting a better deal than most people think. But is there also a scenario where they lose the Rose Bowl? Like the Big, the big Ten could seek a new conference to partner with for that game? Well, yeah, I mean – well, it's up to the – I mean, the Big Ten can't determine who they want to play in the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl determines what conferences they want. But, yeah, you bring up a great question. If, let's say, the, the Pac-12 implodes and the Rose Bowl's got to, got to deal with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and there's no longer Pac-12, so where would you look? You would probably look at the Big 12 because they would have – they would be the power conference with the teams closest uh, to the West Coast. Or, again, who knows where we are several down, years down the road, maybe the Pac-12 wants the two, the, the two behemoths to play in their game and they want to have the SEC play the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, any, again, anything's possible. It's, it's, you know, it's a valid question. Believe me, every, every question you're asking me is what all these commissioners are asking themselves. <laughs> the problem is nobody knows. And if anyone tells you definitively they know what – they know what's going on. They're lying and just move on to somebody else. How are these same commissioners, you know, that are um, trying to pluck members from other conferences, how are they getting in the same room, you know, at the same time to discuss potential playoff expansion? What are the, I know you've spoken <laughs> with the Patchwell commissioner. What are the vibes like between those, between those guys? Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're professional when they get in the, the room with each other, you know, they may not, uh, they may not joke about things. It's, 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 I obviously have not been in a commissioner's meeting room for the college football playoff um, as much as I'd love to, but for some reason they won't invite me. But um, yeah, I mean, I asked, I asked George Klyovkov, you know, the PAC 12 commissioner, uh, do you trust, can you trust the commissioners? And he said, yes. And I go, which ones? And he goes, I don't want to get into that. I asked Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, do you trust any of the commissioners? And he said, you know, I'd rather not answer that. So, no, they can't trust them, but they do have to work together. And so you just kind of, you know, it's the old godfather. It's not, it's not personal, it's business. And you just kind of move ahead like that. The, the, I guess it's not the funny thing, but what's kind of, I guess, funny to me, you know, like the Pac-12 is complaining about, oh, the, the, the Big Ten came in and stole USC and UCLA. They didn't give us, they didn't give us any advance warning. They didn't tell us about it and all this other stuff. And then the Pac-12 sitting there thinking, well, we may take San Diego State. So do you think the Pac-12 is telling the Mountain West, hey, we're going to take San Diego State? No. So it's, it's funny. It's like if it happens, happens to my conference, then it's not fair. But if it happens to someone else, it's just too bad. And you just kind of don't worry about it. So, you know, these commissioners at this point, they know, they know what's going on, but I, I you bring up a good point. There is a lot less, um, 
they used to get along a lot better when I, I would go to these meetings and we'd get them outside, you know, coming out of meeting rooms. And there was a lot more joking around and they were, you know, they, they hung out more. Now it's, you know, they're kind of like their own, they're in their own separate silos and basically, you know, go into a meeting, do what they need to do and, and then get out there and, and go their own ways. What so is when you, the, when do ahead, you Glenn. think this will all be settled? I know you probably don't know exactly, but I'm just curious. There's so many rumors every week. And do you think a couple of years, maybe OU Texas goes to the SEC, finalizes a little more, but when do you think everything will be over and finalized? Well, so USC, UCLA start in the Big Ten and, and fall of 24, Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC in the fall of 25, unless they can reach an agreement to leave early, a year early. Um, you've got you know, the four new schools going to the Big 12 next year. You've got, you know, the smaller conferences, Conference USA. Um, they're adding a bunch of schools. The Amer Next year, the Americans adding a bunch of schools, um, you know, kind of musical chairs. Um, as far as the overall landscape, as far as the, the, the Big 10, SEC, et cetera, I mean, no Notre Dame, you know, again, they're, they're, they're negotiating their new TV deal with NBC. Um, that's probably a uh, could be a year or so before that gets done. That could have a huge impact on if Notre Dame stays independent or joins the Big Ten. Um, you know, just again, from people that I talk to, they tell me the Big Ten's not done. Does that mean the Big Ten's going to add somebody while we're on this interview? Possibly. Does it mean it may happen next week? Possibly. Does it mean it may not happen for another year or two? possibly there's no set timetable nobody has a timetable but i would say you know we've got four years left with the college football playoff in its current four-team format when when we're done with that 12-year contract which ends in four years i think by then i think we will have seen all of these different moves if the big big 10 is going to go beyond 16 if the sec is going to go beyond 16 what happens with the big 12 the pac-12 so that puts us like 2026. 20, and then I think things will settle down. The ACC deals up in 2036, which seems like a billion years from now. But when we get to, I think when we get to like 2030, if you want to set your calendar now, remind, remind me to ask me in 2030. Um, I think then you'll see conferences trying to get teams to get out of the ACC um, with four or five years left on their deal, because by then, uh, obviously, the the exit fee will be reduced greatly. So, I'd say by in the next three to four years, I think we'll have an idea of how everything looks, and everything will be should be fine until uh, the ACC deals up, and then all hell will break loose again, and then we could be down to two conferences or three. And real quick, I asked Kevin Warren that the Big Ten commissioner. I said. Because he said, he told me, look, we're, Brett, we're in a three to five year transformation period. And I said, okay, in three to five years, how many power conferences are there going to be? Two, three, four, five? And he goes, that's up, that's up uh, to the market. The market will determine that. Well, the market is the TV networks, how much value they put on these conferences. And so I think that will determine, you know, whether we end up with two, three, four, five. I don't think five's likely. I don't see how that happens. I think it's more likely we either have two or four. In the next four or five years so we've got a got a few more years for this thing to get settled out all right 
let's move into a little bit more uh, looking ahead to next season. Uh, kind of want to run just conference by conference, get some get some thoughts from you, Brett. Let's start with the the Big Twelve. Um, kind of thinking any teams that stand out to you as an underrated team after looking at the uh, preseason poll or uh, any teams that stick out as maybe a little bit overrated? Well, I think, you know, pretty. it seems pretty much everybody's going with either Baylor, Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma to win to win the Big 12. Um, and you, could, you could make an argument for any of those, and I would not disagree with you. You want to ask me that two, two long shots, if you want to put a – put a schmeckle on a on a long shot from the Big 12, I'd look at TCU or I'd look at Kansas State. I, I'd love what Sonny Dykes has done as an offensive um, play caller. He comes into TCU. Last year, TCU was one of the slowest tempo teams in the country. Um, SMU had one of the quickest tempos. So now Dykes comes into TCU. He's got so much more talent than he ever had at SMU. Uh, he's a Texas guy. He was not a good fit at Cal. So I think the Horn Frogs can surprise some people, and I love what Kansas State's done. Um, you know, the, the the big question mark there is they bring in Adrian Martinez, that was a, a, a fumble machine, and that's to put it politely at Nebraska. If he can limit his turnovers, I think Kansas State can get give a lot of people trouble. I mean, you guys know Kansas State gives everybody trouble, and you know if Martin, Martinez is an electric. Um, quarterback the problem is you know he's either scoring touchdowns or he's <laughs> fumbling putting the ball on the turf and the other team's returning it for a touchdown so uh, that's going to be the big question mark but I would say TCU and K-State for my big 12 long shots. Manhattan's also a sneaky tough place to play I feel like they, they yeah they I mean OU, OU Wabash Cannonball yeah, yeah yeah OU has trouble there a lot you know Oklahoma I mean they they take you know, obviously when Bill Snyder was there, it was a different – they slowed the games down and everything. But they – you know, I like what Chris Kleiman's done there, and they kind of have that same mentality. Yeah, little Manhattan's not easy, an easy an easy place to play. So if you had to make a, a pick to win the, the league today, who would you go with? Uh, if, if I'm just picking who I think would win, I would say Baylor. If I had to, you know, put like 20 bucks on somebody to win it, I would take TCU because it's not, it's not worth whatever Baylor Baylor's odds are. The the thing I the thing and the question marks I have about Baylor and Oklahoma State specifically is last year they were so good in close games everything broke their way. Um, those things usually kind of even out the following year. Oklahoma State four or five wins by seven points or less. You guys may may have that on top of your head, but it was you know it was some ridiculous number. Um, Oklahoma. You know, I know the OU fans are outraged about Lincoln Riley leaving. I actually, when I saw him in LA, I kind of joked to him because my my um, my parents are OU fans. My my sister is an OU grad. She was actually the the Sooner Schooner Roughneck Queen when she went to OU. And this the reaction of the OU fans when when he left is like, what what do you guys do? You realize that this happens to all other. 130 schools that coaches can leave and go to other schools. And then it's not against NCAA rules to have players go with you or assistant they've coaches. They've never been broken up with Brett. It was, it was beautiful to watch. Oh, it was, it I know. It's been, well, it's been, yeah. I mean, it's been 80 years and, you know, Lincoln kind of laughed and I was like, yeah, I'm like, you know, 
I wouldn't like, I go, look, I'm not trying to get you a gotcha quote from you or something. I'm just, it's hysterical or whatever. But anyway, with OU, I think everyone that's wearing crimson and cream is trying to dismiss Lincoln. Well, he couldn't win the big one. He couldn't get us. We couldn't win a playoff game and all that. And, you know, when he was there, you guys loved it. Now he's gone. Now he's, now he's, you know, he uh, smells like bad fish. I still don't understand that. I guess that's just fans' mentalities. I just wonder, Brent Venables never having been a head coach, that's not easy, especially in a pressure cooker like OU. And, um, you know, you've got a whole new staff in there. And um, tricky game for Oklahoma is they go at Nebraska. I talked earlier about Adrian Martinez. He's no longer there. They have Casey Thompson, the former Texas quarterback, son of Charles Thompson. Number of storylines there. I mean, Oklahoma and Nebraska, I've got my AP preseason ballot uh, comes out in two weeks. I've got, you know, laugh at me, play the laugh soundtrack. I've got Nebraska at number 25. I mean, they scored as many points in conference play as they gave up, yet they were like one and eight in conference play. That that has to turn around. They've got a lot of talent. Oklahoma and Nebraska is going to be a tricky game for the Sooners. So I just don't know of those three who's who's going to end up on top so Baylor's my pick to win it if I had to put 20 bucks on it give me the odds with TCU all right we're not going to waste much more of your time so we'll just kind of skip ahead to the big picture is there anyone in college football not named Alabama Georgia Ohio State or we'll even throw in Clemson in there that has an actual shot to uh to win it all uh no I, I don't think Clemson has a shot Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia are so much better by everybody else in the power ratings and any kind of metric you want to look at. Uh, I was looking at this today, actually. There's uh, six teams that are projected to be favored in every game this year. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Utah, uh, Pac-12, Oklahoma, barely. They'll be favored, slight favorite at Nebraska. Um, and then Air Force out of the Mountain West. So if you look at those, Air Force got has no chance. I don't think OU can run the table. So basically you're looking at Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, maybe Utah, but they open the season at Florida. They could easily lose that game. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's some – I saw some Vegas casinos had – you could take Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State versus the field and, like, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State was like minus 170 um, favorite. I don't know. I would probably take – I would take that threesome because, look, Alabama is going to be a monster this year. Last year they weren't supposed to be that good. Jameson gets hurt in the title game against Georgia. They've got the best offensive player of the year, Bryce Young, the best defensive player of the year, and Will Anderson. And the other thing, since Nick Saban has been at Alabama – and since he won his first national championship, they have only not won repeated as national champions, or excuse me, they've only come off a season where they did not win the national championship, the national championship seven times. This will be their seventh time. In the previous six years, they did not win the national championship the year before. They've only finished outside the top four once, and they've won two national titles. So Alabama is locked and loaded. Ohio State's locked and loaded. Those guys are going to be double-digit favorites in every regular season game. I can't see anybody beating those guys. So in regards to those two, obviously they both have outstanding quarterbacks. Um, 
CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Do you there? I think they're the two leading favorites for the Heisman. I would assume. Are there any names you think people should watch for though that could maybe, not necessarily win it, but somebody if they wanted to throw a wager on because the value is there, or somebody that'll make it to New York that's maybe not as um, Hollywood as those two. Yeah, I mean you're right. I don't. I mean Bryce may be the favorite, or CJ Stroud, or they may be flip flopped. I don't think. I don't think Bryce Young's going to win it. And I don't necessarily think that's fair. I vote for the Heisman. I know how Heisman voters think. And they're going to look for another candidate. He won it last year. If Bryce Young throws for 400 yards, six touchdowns, and one interception, they'll talk about the interception instead of the six touchdowns because he won it last year. The thing is, you've got to – whoever you think is going to make the playoff, other than Alabama and Ohio State, that's who that's who I would take. If you think Utah's gonna gonna go 12 and 0, 11 and 1, then I'd put something down on Cam Rising, their quarterback. Because whether you know whether it's fair or not, the Heisman has become the best player on one of the best teams in the country, usually a top 10 or more specifically a top four ranked team. And so that eliminates a lot of guys. One guy that you would you, you can get tremendous odds on right now, though it's going down, is Will Anderson of Alabama. Now he's a defensive player. Obviously, we we hard can we never see anybody other than a quarterback have any kind of shot. But because Bryce Young won it last year, if Alabama runs the table like they're supposed to, I think a lot of people felt like Will Anderson didn't get the credit he deserved last year. So it's kind of like make it up to him this year. And, you know, maybe he gets a sniff at the Heisman. Obviously, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, they got a ton of wide receivers, though. Uh, just Did they kind of split up the ballots? This year, I would, not, I would not place a wager on the Heisman. I wouldn't personally because I think it's too, it's too unknown. Last year, about halfway through the season, on my podcast with the Action Network with Colin Wilson, we basically had this discussion. And I said, okay, right now you can get better odds on Bryce Young to win the Heisman than you can Alabama to win the national title. And so I was recommending take Bryce Young if you think Alabama is going to win the SEC. Because if Alabama wins the SEC, he's going to win the Heisman. They won the SEC. He won the Heisman. I, we did our podcast last week with, on the Action Network, and they laughed at me because I said this, so you guys feel, feel free to laugh along. If if Georgia goes 13-0 and and wins the SEC title, Stetson Bennett is going to be in the running for the Heisman. Is he going to throw for a million yards? No. But Gino Toretto won a Heisman Trophy, leading Miami to the national title. If Georgia goes 13-0 and and beats Alabama in the SEC title game, Stetson Bennett is going to be a big reason, and he could be a dark horse there if you believe the dogs can do that. I'm not going to laugh at you for that. That seems pretty reasonable because I assume he's the reason they're 13 and 0. Like the skill position players are there, the defense is there. So, right. The quarterback gets all the credit or gets all the blame. He's probably their fifth best player. But if you win the highs, you know, if you go into 13 and 0, the quarterback's going to get all the credit and he could get some, uh, make some Heisman noise. I do got to ask you real quick. You said you're a Heisman voter. Did you vote for Justin Blackman? How does how does that guy not get an invite to New York City one one of those two years? That's insane. Oh man, that was so long ago. Honestly, couldn't tell you. Um, you know what what sucks about the Heisman is it it's not the Heisman Trophy; it's the quarterback. It's the best quarterback award, and 
that's it takes something drastic uh, for somebody to have a have a shot that's not a non-quarterback and it's unfortunate obviously Alabama you know had a wide receiver that won it a couple of years ago but it takes a monster monster season for somebody other than a quarterback to get it and especially now with the RPOs and the way the quarterbacks control the game so much it's hard for a non-quarterback to have a shot I remember I was young enough and naive enough, I'm sure Clinton Parker were too, to think Indomitian Sue was actually going to was actually gonna somehow I, win the Heisman. Yeah, I did. I did vote for him. I remember that. I that was a monster. Yeah, I also voted for Barry Sanders. He did okay. <laughs> yeah, that one's, yeah that, that one's justified. <laughs> All right, Brett. Well, we'll let you go. I know you've got yeah. – you're a busy man. So, uh, once again, really appreciate you joining us. If you don't follow him on Twitter, follow him at Brett underscore McMurphy. Uh, like we said, he is – the voice of college football. So Brett, thanks again. Thanks guys. Anytime. Enjoyed it. Talk to you soon. All right. Let's talk a little bit of Oklahoma recruiting. Uh, After five, six months of not many results on the recruiting trail, things turn quickly for the Sooners. Uh, I think 10 or 11 commits in the month of July. And then yesterday to start August off with a, top 75 defensive player uh, straight out of Austin Westlake High School, son of a former Texas football player. So really enormous win for the Sooners. Uh, They had a big recruiting weekend and uh, things seem to be trending in the right direction with other big time players. Uh, uh, David Hicks out of Katy, Texas, uh, big time uh, defensive back out of Tallahassee, uh, defensive end out of Tyler, Texas. So a lot going on for Norm and Norman. And it took a little longer. I think a lot of that due to, you know, Venable's recruiting style. He's going with that um, Clemson, Dabo, Sweeney. You can't uh, can't commit here uh, if you're not really committed. So, you know, if you're committed and you take visits elsewhere, you decommit from OU. And that's kind of been a hot topic as there was a quote out of Venable's this week uh, that went viral and people seem to, you know, be, you know, firmly on one side or another. So this is what what Venable said in that thinking, but I know this, there's a lot of flaws in taking a commitment, making a reservation and then going to go doing your thing. How can I manage a roster or who else I need to offer? If I got nine guys committed, but they're going to Bama and Georgia and LSU and A&M, how can I manage? How can I take commitments? I don't know what my numbers are. And so just my way of uh, trying to manage the roster, the best to, to my ability. And again, teach, teach our guys, you know, ethics and morality and, uh, and again, you can we we could sit here and try to diminish in um, uh, that whole process and say, well, coaches are doing. I'm I'm just saying we're trying to be trying to be the example of trying to do it the right way. That guy sounds like somebody with the fire hose fully inserted into his mouth. <laughs> Clint, I really hope you can uh, put a video in there because me reading that probably didn't sound nearly as uh, cool as. I'll try my Venables best. Still a rookie. Video OSU actually, OSU actually pulled a kid last recruiting cycle. A kid committed to OSU, went on a visit to Tech, and they pulled a scholarship offer. I do. Hey. I, I get that. And another thing I saw a lot on Twitter is they're like, "Okay, then you shouldn't accept any visits from players who are committed." Which, I yeah, that's the one it. side I can kind of understand. I can yeah. see why that could be, like, but. Yeah, I mean, also, it works. It works for Clemson. It'll be interesting to see how well it works for OU. It seems the early returns are positive. Uh, but, I mean, if he's telling you not to commit, I don't know really what the big deal is. He's, like, 
He's just saying know. don't do it until you're 100 percent certain. It's you, you right. Go right? visit elsewhere. Like if you like if you want to take other visits, just don't commit. Go visit yeah. elsewhere. Well, now, now you know it. a little bit what what my guys go through. We get poached left and right by Gundy has called for like a, a second si- or like another signing day, like one in the summertime. So that way, if a kid just wants to be done with it, they can be done with it. And that like, because I mean, even OU gets guys poached like, yeah, that and that's what leads to OU poaching OSU or like Baylor. Yeah, like, it, it's it's a cycle like that. But it would be super I, tough, though. People flip flipping around. You think? Yeah, I'm sure it's very incredibly frustrating. And you yeah. think you have your numbers where you want them all off season, and then out of nowhere, some kid was wowed by an NIL deal at Texas or Georgia, and he says sayonara. Yeah, that sucks really for you know if you're coaching staff at a non Power Five school and you yeah. you know put in all that work to find the diamond in the rough that you know the Power Five coaches didn't notice. You know you've held on to them for six eight months. Suddenly, you know, that December signing day is yeah. coming up and. He gets an offer from freaking, I don't know, Kansas State or a, a lower end Power Five school. You did all that work just to lose them. So, yeah, it happens to everyone except for Bama and Georgia, pretty much. And they're the ones poaching from one another. Which... Right, right, <laughs> yeah. If if you get poached in your Bama, it's, it's just like Georgia's oh, you just second. take their five star right back. Like it's not actually <laughs> yeah. the end of the world. Like they don't. Lose yeah, and then they'll, and nowadays they'll just transfer. Yeah, that's you know, the other oh, thing you too. Did... They just leave. Yeah. I saw something like 47% of starting quarterbacks this year are transfers. It's kind of gross. Wow. Yeah. It's wild. It's actually really wild. That just adds on to the recruiting too. You think you have them and then boom, next year. It's well, it's because it's like – but also too, and this the other problem with the portal is – and we've talked about it. It's like why would a coach take a high school quarterback when they can take a kid that played for two years at a, a group yeah. of five school with good numbers? And like, no, like why would he waste his time taking an 18-year-old? And if it doesn't work out, get just get a new one the next year. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on recruiting before we do our snake draft and wrap this thing up? Nope. All right, Clint. What are we? Uh, what do we got? So third, True. third snake draft. What are we? Uh, what do we got this week? We got a snake draft of best uniforms. We are going to get the draft. Actually. Really? Really quick, also wanted to mention that this snake draft is brought to you by Part-Time Beverage, uh, the official canned cocktail of the fifth-year podcast. Try out their uh, club special. You can find it in liquor stores across Oklahoma. All right. This is the way we're doing this. Parker's one. I'm two. Rulie's three. I'm generating a random order. That's. I was going to say, right. that can be the order. Rulie one. Damn it. Parker two. Me three. Hate going first. Oh, by the <laughs> way, not. What? Uh, I was the winner of the college football traditions draft. Let me just Damn, throw Parker that out there is the only guy start. with no wins. This yeah. is the week. Um, number one, I'm going with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The gold helmet, um, glistening in the sun. You can't beat it. Mid, Under Armour kind of like botched it a little bit, but I think it's being corrected, like the colors. Um, so once those get ironed out, uh, they'll be rocking and rolling again. The only thing Under Armour really botched is that just that ugly ass Under Armour uh, logo. Uh, Under Armour itself, like it's just the Under Armour logo that botched. It. Like the uniform, I think is fine. Under Armour is cool. Well, they like slightly tweak Notre Dame's like blue and gold, so it, lo- it just looks a little off. But that gold has also gotten significantly shinier in recent years, as it should. It's, yeah, it looks, it looks incredible that way. Good one, good one. All right, I'll go. I'm wrapping right, Clint. 
Yep, you're up. I'll go with Bama. Mm. Uh, just numbers on the side of the uniforms. I love those gray face masks. Uh, they don't ever switch it up. Like that's key for me. Like White if you have great, yep. yeah. If if you have great uniforms, why yeah. why even mess with that? So, uh, the home uniforms for roads are great, but the homes uh are awesome. All right, back to back for Clint. Yeah, back to back. If he keeps it traditional. I think with my first round pick, I'll go Michigan. Just love mm. their helmets. Helmets. Uh, I don't even know what what you call that sticker. You know they have the same they have the same helmet as the Dover Hens uh, or not Dover the Delaware Blue Hens. Delaware Blue Hens. Joe Flacco. Did, Did you know? Also, real quick, don't mean to get you off track, or maybe I do as a distraction. Um, there's only one mascot in college sports. That's a that's like the whole school is the female mascot. It's the Delaware Blue Hens. Throwing all sorts of facts out there for the listeners. Mm-hmm. That is a fun fact. Yeah, it is. All right. Not a homer pick. <laughs> Not a homer home. pick. Get the fuck out of here. That crisp red and white. I mean, of course, it's my favorite team, but. You mean the Rough Rider jerseys, right? <laughs> no. Doesn't that have to, like, go into the. Yeah, no, I, no you do have to include it. Set? No, yeah, yeah we're talking all uniforms. All right. I'll take it. But wow. still, yeah, it's only it's like once or twice a year, Clint. You can. You can <laughs> once yeah. or twice too many times. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right, Parker, you're up. Hmm. I'll go Penn State. I'll keep it real traditional. Really? That's yeah. I like that one. Those are sick. Yeah. I'll go anti-traditional. Back to back. I'm gonna go Oregon and then also Oklahoma State. They just like I. I'm definitely being biased by picking OSU, but like if you look at any of those like best CFB uniform accounts, OSU typically grades out pretty high. Because they, they have one of, like, the higher-level Nike deals. It's, like, not as high as Oregon, but, like, higher than, like, Kansas State or something. So they do get some cooler options. They they hit and miss. The, the OSU right. hits That's and miss. Like, there's some good ones. I love the, you know, the 80s-era throwbacks. I like uh, some Barry of the black. Sanders. I like some of the black matte uniforms. You, you didn't like but, the Curse of Cowboy helmet? Oh, I like Curse. But, like, for example, you also have, like, the creepy Pistol Pete helmet. You have the, so the ugly a, gray. The like gray the, is bad, and they got to get the gray out of the way once a year. They wear gray no matter what. Typically, yeah. it's like an early season. Like, it'll probably be the Central Michigan game. But, like, I do I do get that. But, like, same with Oregon. Even Oregon has, like, some, like, borderline questionable ones. But, yeah. like, when they came out with, like, the, the men of Oregon helmets and stuff, like, last year, the, both both those teams, I feel like, get pretty good creative stuff from Nike. So I wanted to say Oregon just for those Rose Bowl chrome helmets. Those a couple so years cool. ago, Justin Herbert. Oh man! At first, it was sunset. like, why are they? Those aren't that cool. And then you realize, yeah. oh, you can see the sunset yeah. on a clear day in there. It was really cool. All right, all right. Am I up? Yep. I'll go a little off track here. Not a college football powerhouse, uh, but I'll go with North Carolina. Uh, oh, pa- powder blue uniforms are great, and an underrated jersey as well is their uh, navy with the yeah, powder blue like yeah, lettering. They just have like the best color scheme in college yeah. football, arguably. Yeah, sports, just college sports, probably professional sports. All right, I had that written down. My third round pick, I will go with the Florida Gators. I just mm. like that blue and mm. orange. Mm. I'll accept the hate. Don't I love just, that. I've always, I've always been a fan of blue and orange. I don't hate that. I like the orange jerseys they wear. Like back, I don't even know if they do it anymore. But like I remember watching like Tebow and Percy Harvin wear the all orange and stuff. Yeah. 
You know, I, I like that. I love the, the script Florida or the Gators script, but orange in general just doesn't do it for me. Do they have F on one side and then Gators on the other side script or is it Gators? On I think it's no, I, yeah, that's a different helmet. Because they did like a throwback. That was yeah. a pretty cool design earlier last year. Yeah. I don't hate that pick. Okay. I think I'm still picking with this, even though you said you have to accept all uniforms. I was thinking one specifically, but I'll go Ole Miss here. Mm. Specifically mm. for the powder blues that mm-hmm. bowl game one looked nice. That's and clean, a really but good that's a really you know, good the red and navy. Eh, those aren't bad either. I'll I'll include them all. But yeah, that's my fourth rounder. All right, Parker, you're back up. I'll go Georgia. Uh the dogs. I like their home uniforms. I love the road. Think the G looks cool. Also, every now and then they'll whip out the the blackout game at down in Athens, and that's a little spooky night game, yeah. blacked out stadium, black jerseys, uh, and you get some of those dudes in those uniforms, and that is a, a scary sight. So, last pick, right? Yep, last pick. I'm torn between two blue bloods and then like a what the hell are they doing on the list? Are we going to do – can I we get one honorable mention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then I'm going to go with the University of Texas. I like it's so like so traditious white and and that yeah. ugly ass orange. The the Longhorn looks great on the helmet. Like they never really. I don't think they try and wear alternates very often, do they? No, they never do. Uh, there was the. I know they've added numbers above or below the Longhorn, and the one year there was a little gold really trim good. for the OU Texas game. And it looked good too. I think. I, yeah remember commenting on it honorable mention i was between so i was between texas ohio state just the buckeyes on the helmet like make that whole jersey. Yeah. but then i remember when they wear those ugly alternates and i'm like ah, i don't want to count those and then colorado Ooh. i would have said usc would have been yeah year. same deal like white white socks black ucla shades. honestly with some underrated uniforms kind of have an ugly yellow on the pants though it's like a diarrhea yeah. yellow you know they were so bad under armor like dropped them and now the they wouldn't. No, no, UCLA. Like they oh. dropped the school because UCLA was so oh. bad. Now UCLA. Well, they paid them an absurd amount of money initially. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. Who else did we miss on? Uh, Florida State. I was kind of yeah. I don't really love that color red. Everything I wrote down was picked. So. Really. I got no honorable mentions. Ooh, best alternate. I I think it, it might not be their alternate. Pitt. Pitt's got Ooh, the the when they wear that. That powder, that lighter blue color, royal. Yep, looks yeah. great with the yellow. Another good classic is Wisconsin. That red, crisp red and white. Mm, yeah. A little bland, I mean, but. What jerseys classic. do you guys hate? Do you have one that you just absolutely despise? Power five schools? Mm. I'm sure there's some group of five schools I can. Mm. Not really. I'm trying oh, to. Oh, I, lo- I really like TCUs when they do. Really? Like, I like. There's just like a little bit of red on there because. Or I remember they did when they played in the Rose Bowl all those years ago. They gave the frog a little rose in his mouth. Like yeah. it's little subtle things on their jerseys that I do really like. They kind of threw back to the, the Danny and Tomlinson era uh, last year, but I think they're pretty cool. I have I don't I say this without a doubt. SMU has by far the best uniforms for a non-power five school. I think, especially now, like I love the traditional SMU blue jersey, white helmets, but they've got the Dallas script ones now too. Yeah, like it's a nice nice combo. Oh man, Tulsa's got some fire. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. He's got good jerseys. <laughs> they do. Every now and then they'll 
Oh, Tulane. Tulane's got really good jerseys. Yeah. They, they, there's they powder, the, uh, the, the wave, like uh, the. Yep. And he's like fighting the old school yeah. wave. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of good ones. There's also a lot of bad ones, though. There are. Also, this episode, one month from today, that's official week one, right? September 2nd. What is week, uh, zero? Yeah. week zero, though? Is yeah, week zero is August 27th. It's this yeah, like month. 25, 25 days from now. This month. So We're cool. almost back, boys. Oh, I don't like Nebraska's jerseys. I feel I like love that's, them, that's but... similar to Wisconsin. It's like a, just a classic red and white. Oh, so. Texas Tech jerseys are pretty bad. Anytime they try to do an alternate, I'm like, that sucks. Yeah. Just wear all black. The throwback ones are fine. But, but When yeah. did alternate jerseys start? Alternate uniforms? I mean, like, Oregon definitely yeah. started it just because they, were, they literally never wear the same jersey twice, yeah. right? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, that's probably, what, 15, 20 years ago? I mean, yeah, because they've always had cool stuff. Like, even if you go back and watch, like, when they played OU and Eugene, like, they had, like, they always have the uniform templates nobody else gets until, like, four years later. The Phil Knight special. It's got to be an added bit. Oh, I hate Stanford's jerseys. Uh, I'm not a fan of Arizona State's uniforms. Yeah. I think that's a bad – it just comes down to – It's a bad color combo. Yeah. And I guess that goes for Minnesota, too. Same with Central mm-hmm. Michigan, who OSU happens to play Central Michigan and Arizona State. So, all right, uh, I think that's uh, all we've got. Great uh, episode today. Thanks again to Brett McMurphy for an awesome interview. Uh, subscribe on YouTube if you're watching here. Uh, if you're still listening on Apple or Spotify, like, rate, subscribe. Follow us on all forms of social media: Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fifth Year Podcast. And have a great week.